sight In the darkness is the light Out of the shadows of my life In the darkness is the light Welcome once more to the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. And today we are talking about Season 2, Episode 6. Season 2, Episode 6, Mutiny. Our first Ned-centric episode. Yeah, the first of at least two, It's I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Mutiny, uh, or Mutiny, as uh, it's spelled. This is our pirate episode. Yeah, I actually never understood why it was called Mutiny, but that's because I just never bothered to look it up. You didn't know what but that word meant? I didn't. <laughs> but it, uh, according to Google, it means an open rebellion against the proper authorities, especially by soldiers or sailors against their officers. Yeah, I mean, the term was made famous by the book Mutiny on the Bounty, which was about a crew attempting to overthrow their captain. I thought it was made famous by Pirates of the Caribbean. With the mutiny against Barbosa. Well, mutiny on the bounty is a little older than that. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is uh, the show doing another take on the possessing spirit plot line, which it's done before with Will of the Wisp, but this one's a bit different. Yeah, this mm-hmm. one takes the idea of possession and has it done through objects. Yeah, and they use a word for it, psychomancy or something like that? Um... Psychometry, I think Fee was saying in the intro. I think she's talking about people who use objects and, I don't know, they get memories and thoughts and stuff like that. Yeah, in the intro she talks about if you could learn what's in a book by putting it under your pillow and just sleeping over it at night. Yeah, she talks a little about Edward uh, Edgar Casey, which is uh, mm-hmm. who was an eccentric individual who claimed to be a hypnotist and a psychic and said he knew where Atlantis was. All these and things. He's also famous for having multiple near-death experiences that he would induce. So he claimed, anyway. Yeah. I like it in the intro how, you know, they're introducing that term with the rings that Molly and Fee wears. Yeah, that's such a beautiful little moment where Fee's looking at the picture of her father and mother and, like, rolling the ring on her finger. Yeah, that's our obligatory Season 2 Rick reference, and those rings are going to become very important soon. But that has nothing to do with the rest of the episode, which, <laughs> um, which involves Fiona Clue. Yeah, magical driftwood. Fiona, Carrie, and Clue are on the beach, and Jack, and they're celebrating. Clue has just found out that he's gotten some uh, into a college. And well, they're, not yet. Okay, well, yeah, they're on... That's hanging in the air. That's um, sort of the central character theme of the episode. Anyway, they find a piece of driftwood on the beach, and Clue gives it to his father as a gift, and it turns out this piece of driftwood is possessed by the spirit of a dead sea captain who was uh, killed in a mutiny by his his crew, and the spirit takes over Ned and makes him rather ill-tempered. <laughs> yes, and the interesting thing about this episode is that it's the first one without Molly and Irene there. Is it? Yes. <laughs> So. And they get referenced as, or they call them the moms, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah, and they also have that comment about them hashing things out in L.A. together during the fallout of the fight they have over Carrie joining Molly's team as a musician. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some nice continuity there. Um, and I rewatching this episode just uh, before recording this, it 
struck me as now I like this episode a lot. Actually, I think this is one of season two's best episodes, but it struck me as maybe this was kind of a cheaper episode to do because it's mostly just five people on the bus. There's not like a lot of scenery or special locations or anything. Yeah, but it's interesting because some of the sets that they use for the bus, they don't really use in any of the other episodes. Like the hallway, the abnormally long hallway that would never actually fit in a tour bus. (laughs) We never see that again. So they just Mm -hmm. brought it in for this one. Well, we've mentioned before how the Phillips family tour bus is awfully spacey inside. Like Mary Poppins' purse. Yeah, there's a lot of room inside of that bus. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and honestly, I gotta tell you, I think some of the low budget ideas they came up with for this episode are pretty effective when the, uh, tour guide at the, well, I don't know if you'd call him a tour guide. The guy at the lighthouse is talking about, yeah, the museum is talking about the mutiny and the way they convey that is they show this old drawing of people on a boat and they play spooky wave sound effects. And the guy is talking in voiceover about the mutiny and it's actually surprisingly effective. Yeah, it reminds me of, like, my dad was a history major, so he loved to talk history. So it just reminds me of just listening to an older person give those life experiences and have that real-life history class. Yeah, and I also like the sequences we get, the brief glimpses we get of the dead sea captain's dying moments when he is locked in the brig or whatever it is. And it's a first-perspective shot. And like I said, it's a pretty cheap special effect. We just see a guy's hands on a wooden door and he's wearing some period clothing though as far as we know the actor was just wearing the sleeves <laughs> but yeah, uh, it, w- it might be cheap but it was effective that scene was one that really did chill me when i watched it as a kid yeah me too especially when that part where he's dying and you just see his <laughs> hand sinking into the water and all that yeah like i said it's pretty well done even though it's obviously a lo-fi approach but I, what I really like about this episode is how its supernatural elements tie in with what the characters are feeling. Because, as we said, about 15 minutes into the episode, Clue finds out that he's been accepted into college, which um, I don't think the characters thought was a guarantee because we all love Clue here on the show, but let's face it, he's a little goofy. <laughs> um, but his father's reaction to finding out that his son's going to be going away to school it puts him in kind of a weird spot because on one hand, he's very proud of his son for getting into college, but he's going to miss him. And I feel like this plot with the Ned being possessed by the sea captain is kind of feeding into this premise of um, Ned having these complicated feelings about what's happening with his son. That's great how they tied them in. And um, before we hear Fee's theory of, you know, Ned being possessed, um, Clue's just trying to figure out like why he's so upset. He's thinking, was it me? Like, me being accepted into college and during the whole scene in that bus like clue or the the actor of clue eric um i think he's really great because i always feel so bad for him in this episode me too especially in the moment where the possessed ned comes and says that he's not going to college because he needs both of his sons to help him run things on the bus mm-hmm. poor clue he's just like what i can't go to college after being so excited for it yeah that is some good acting from Von Detten, who usually is mostly just the comic relief. This is an episode that's focusing a little bit more on what he's feeling. So, and I'm it's really the feelings. Oh God! Okay, when... I knew this was coming. <laughs> <laughs> when Clue gets his acceptance into college, there's such a cute moment where 
Buffy is the one who opens the letter because Clue can't bring himself to. And he's like, oh my god, Clue, you got in. I got in. So he picks her up in a hug. And it's so sweet. Oh, see, I thought you were going to bring up the scene at the end when everybody's bidding Clue goodbye and Fiona gives him a long hug. Yeah, so we'll bring that up later. Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, as I was watching that, I was just thinking, like, oh, that's meat for the Clue fee shippers, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> Lots of good meat in there for us. <laughs> but um, this episode is mostly a display for Dave Ward's acting ability, and uh, he's rather good at being intimidating. Oh, yeah. I mean, we know Ned is this fatherly-like character, and we've been following him for a season and a half or so at this point. And so that's how we know what we think of him. We think of him as kind of this jolly big guy who's, you know, he's the teacher. He can be a little tough, but he's generally really laid back. So to see and him playing. What's that? A giant teddy bear. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so to see him acting in this very rough, authoritative manner is, I don't know if it's shocking or startling, but um, it, it, it definitely ups the intensity of the episode. Yeah, he's pretty scary. And I always feel bad for Jack and Clue and Fee and all of them. Mm -hmm. It's almost as if Ned in this episode turns to the way that people who don't know Ned may expect him to act. You know, like in the Tulp, Tulp episode when he talks about how he used to be a, working a biker bar and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like in this episode we're kind of seeing him the way people who wouldn't know him may judge him as acting just based on his appearance. That's really interesting. I never thought of it that way, but I always, the scene that always stuck out to me in this episode was towards the end where the boys and Fee contemplate just escaping the bus and making a run for it. And one of them brings up that, Oh, well he can't catch all three of us. And Clue says, well, I wouldn't want to be the one he did catch. And just thinking of that scene and that what if, how would that plan play out always scared me as a kid. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing the um, museum curator comes along to help him out. Oh, yeah. It's shocking that he does, too, because when Fee goes along with Clue for the shippers to talk <laughs> to the man from the museum to find out the story behind that piece of driftwood and if he recognizes the emblem that Ned has been drawing all over his clipboard... He thinks that they're joking and doesn't take it seriously at all. So it's a little bit of a surprise that he comes back, accuses Fiona of stealing as a way of trying to help them. Yeah, and we find out that the dead sea captain was claustrophobic, which is how they ultimately... Uh, well, they lock uh, Ned in one of the rooms with some rope for a while. And I honestly, when he's... You can hear him bellowing on the other side of the door and he's freaking out. It's... Um, you know, I don't know if I would describe it as scary, but it's probably, like, the most tense moment in the episode because he is really freaking out. Mm -hmm. yeah. It sounds like he's having a, a panic attack. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, again, it's overall, this is a pretty tense episode in a lot of ways. And I do want to mention the actor playing the old museum curator. That's our special guest star, Ken Pogue. I don't know anything else he's been in or who, who he is. is. He? I looked him up on IMDb, and he's done a lot of stuff. That's probably what I know supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if he's a TV, a Canadian TV actor, probably. <laughs> yeah, the, the other actor that we see a lot is one of the members of the crew that Ned is like constantly arguing with. 
And um, his name was in the credits too, so I looked him up, and he's man, he's done a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of movies and shows that I recognized. Okay, wait, wait now we got to stop and look all these actors up. But I just want to mention something about those roadies that we see for the first time in this episode and never see ever again. <laughs> That's one of the most exciting parts of this episode for me, that we finally see the roadies. I know, with their MP shirts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that pretty sweet. My question is, where do they sleep? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> like, that bus appears to be big, but how many people can fit on that big bus? <laughs> they probably, they're roadies, you know, they have to drive their own cars around. I think, well, this isn't canon, but in the books, <laughs> I think they have their own bus. Why do yeah. they I mean, never see would... their bus? All the shots of the Molly Phillips bus, there's just the one bus. Okay, I'm looking up the actor who plays the head roadie, Paul Bryant, and the first thing that comes up on his IMDb page is the 2005 Fantastic Four movie where he played lame joke businessman. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he was also the black TV reporter in Scary Movie, and I actually remember his part in that film because he's the guy who says, uh, black people in a town full of a bunch of white people getting killed, we're getting the F out of (laughs) here. Um, does anybody remember the name of the restaurant where the roadies are eating? Hold on, I wrote it down because it was ridiculous. What was it? It was like the something shark. Yes, oh, God. the gracious shark. <laughs> that sounds you... like something out of a series of unfortunate events. Well, yes. the anxious, the anxious clown, the gracious shark. Well, the you see the company logo, which is a shark with a pair of sunglasses and I think maybe a backwards baseball cap on, holding a <laughs> plate of food. So I don't, I don't know about you guys if you've ever, you know, if you were teenagers in the '90s, spending a lot of time on the uh, Atlantic Boardwalk, Atlantic City Boardwalk, but you saw some businesses like that back then. I'll just say that. Cat, <laughs> you're from you're from uh, New Jersey. Did you spend a lot of time as a kid on the uh, boardwalk? Not at the Atlantic City Boardwalk okay. until I was over 21. Oh, well, but at Point Pleasant and Seaside, which is nothing at all like Jersey Shore portrays it to be, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that was just a little element of this episode that I found disproportionately charming. I think like midway through the episode, um, when Fee and Jack or so go talk to the museum curator dude, um, he like finally explains... Um, the story of the captain, Captain Leeds. And so they were on the swift ship, I think going to America and the ship was filled with convicts. And then it gets dark because they say the captain like starved and beat the convicts. And he wasn't really nice to the crew either. And that's why um, uh, actually a storm hit or a storm came and the crew was like, you have to release the convicts, but he didn't want to. And that's when the crew and the convicts, like, you know, teamed up and locked him up like we saw. So that's the story of the ship and all that, which every time I have watched it, I always zoned out. But <laughs> really? I, find, I always yeah. love the story of the I always zone out. I don't know why, <laughs> but I try to pay attention now. And I was I like, mean, oh, okay. <laughs> n- no, I agree, because, like, watching it now, I'm like, I think it's kind of cool how they have the voiceover about the past, but also show present Ned and, like, compare the two stories, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, him yelling at his crew and Carrie and all that. But, like, as a kid, I don't think I totally got what was going on. Because yeah, it was... Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was so 
fascinating as a kid, but that might have been due to the first movie that I remember seeing in theaters was the Titanic, and mm -hmm. I my parents took us to see it twice. And the first time, I saw it entirely through the fingers of my mom. And then the second time, since I, like, I peeked through the fingers, she was like, okay, fine, just watch it. Well, I'm curious what you object, what your mother objected to in Titanic, the, the French girl scene? Oh, uh, that was one part. And then <laughs> okay. also she thought that seeing a sinking ship would traumatize me. But okay. it just made me really curious of, like, how can something like that happen? What happened to all those people? And my dad afterwards told me ghost stories because I kept asking questions about it. And he would tell me stories about the captain who went down with his ship and how some people say he still haunts the Atlantic. So this episode always reminded me of that. So that so uh, this episode kind of hits you in a personal space then, doesn't it? A little bit, yeah. Okay. Well, um, I mean, I, I agree with what Kathy said, that the whole idea of... um. The, this guy beating these convicts and them keep murdering him is kind of dark for Disney Channel, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I've always loved dark storylines. It's amazing what the show got away with sometimes. <laughs> and then we see him dying. So, that's... Yeah. Well, and we see his, his skeleton hand sticking out of the bottom of the <laughs> ocean floor at the end of the episode. Now, okay, what does everybody think of that? Because, like I said, I like this episode a lot, but that final shot is... You know, maybe a little corny, just I a little like bit, it because it shows like this is a real story, and it gives that element where everything's coming around full circle that the driftwood is going back to its rightful owner. Yeah, but the hand's so fake; it looks like they took it <laughs> off a skeleton in a science lab somewhere and just yeah, that's exactly what it looks store. like. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like a bleached white skeleton, <laughs> and it's just a awfully convenient. Well, the you guys... know what's bleached too? The Great Barrier Reef. So take that and shove it. Oh. <laughs> a little uh, <laughs> dropping some eggs of knowledge on our listeners there. Bam. <laughs> Um, no, it's just a little convenient that the guy's dead body would just happen to be moldering in this one spot right there where they threw the rock at the end. And honestly, when I was just rewatching this earlier today, I had forgotten the very last scene. So we see like this fishing boat out there after, I don't know, I think Fiona or Clue or somebody take looks wistfully over the water and we see this fishing boat. And I was halfway expecting like somebody to fish this piece of driftwood out of the <laughs> lake and we would have like a dum dum dum, you know, it the adventure that continues. Way more cornier than the driftwood scene. <laughs> That's like Jumanji. <laughs> yeah, I guess it would be. Yeah. I don't know. That was just where my brain went. I don't know. I watched I watch a lot of Tales from the Crypt. I don't know, blame it on that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there are some funny lines in this episode that I like, uh, like the classic line of Ned screaming, no one drives this bus but me. <laughs> yeah, that is a classic moment for the Nuss ship. Have we ever yeah. Oh, Jesus. Before? Yes, it's come up before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because Gabby started this when we were over at the live streams, the idea that Ned loves his bus. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I do like the moment where that gets the kids kicked out of the museum where Carrie and Clue are playing with the captain's wheel. Oh, yeah. They deserve it. Sibling, sibling moments. <laughs> yeah, this is such a cute episode for the siblings and the dynamic of the kids where Fee feels all left out, where the guys are talking about the mom's fighting, and Fee had no idea what was going on with Carrie. 
So mm-hmm. she's like, what was, what was this guy stuff? When was anybody going to tell me? And um, another line that I liked was when Fee was going to throw the rock overboard. She tied it with a belt and a rock. Right. And uh, Clue's like, Fee, that's my favorite rock. Yeah. <laughs> and Carrie, that's my favorite belt. <laughs> I like that Clue just has a rock. Clue seems like the kind of guy that would have a favorite rock. A pet rock. Yeah. Um, I like um, Fiona and her uh, bicycle helmet. I don't know why that moment jumped out at me. <laughs> I wonder if they were required to do that for Disney Channel to show someone, Probably. you know, using a bright bike helmet appropriately. Yeah, proper bike wear use. I don't know. Um, but I just, because I can't remember most other times where Fiona actually is like on her bike. I'm sure we've seen it in other episodes. But usually she just seemingly walks to and fro all these places she goes. Mm-hmm. Um, though, yeah, like not a lot of like Fiona Jack stuff in this episode. This one is really more about Clue and Ned. And I like that So Weird can do that, that it can take an episode that's not so much about the series protagonist that's focusing more on some of the side characters. Yeah. But he's still at the center of trying to solve the mystery. Well, yeah, naturally, she's the first one who suggests the supernatural element. Yeah, and it all, like, works out how she wants to. The museum curator eventually believed her, saying, like, oh, the sea has a way of keeping its secrets. And then at the very end, Jack is still in denial. (laughs) Yeah, and I love the scene at the end where Fee is all sad by herself, thinking about how Clue's going away after they said their goodbyes. And Jack comes over to her, and he's like... It was just a piece of wood, Fiona. And then noticing she's still upset, it's like, want some cake? And like tries to smush cake in her face. It's cute. It is a cute moment. Um, and uh, that's a pretty cool cake that they got for Clue. Yeah. <laughs> I like that Ned got it before Clue even opened the letter. Yeah. He just knew he was going to get in. Or at that's least... That's sweet. Imagine yeah. if he hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> Then they eat the cake without him. <laughs> Just shame eating. <laughs> smear the smear the icing and all that. <laughs> uh, um, another thing I want to mention is some cool camera effects in this one. When we see the perspective uh, from Ned when he's really having these moments where he's becoming very paranoid, and it's sort of a weird, sort of distorted, seasick kind of angle. And mm-hmm. I don't know, again, I thought that was a low-budget, lo-fi way that was effective and conveyed what they were going for. Yeah, that yeah. effect I always thought was cheesy, but let's please take a moment to appreciate how everybody had to act with a certain expression on their face to look really angry. <laughs> and I think Eric Lively as Carrie's was the best, where he's like squinting his eyes, looking real all menacingly. <laughs> and holding a knife. Yes, the knife. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was great. And there's also the sound effect of the waves in those scenes, which adds another element to it, I feel. Yeah, the crashing wave sound effects get a real gets a real workout in this episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, do we have anything else we want to say about this one before we wrap it up? Just a small note. So when we see uh, that Ned has been drawing the symbol, he was drawing it all over the, the list of tour dates. So... I actually wrote down some of the places that they were going to go. All right. See, this is the kind of information I count on you for, Emily. <laughs> well, I didn't write 
done everything, okay? Because some of it was kind of hard to read or places I didn't care about. No offense. <laughs> no, they went to, well, Chicago. So I guess since it's a new tour, they went back to Chicago because they were in Chicago last season. But it's, yeah. Uh, they went to Montana. But it wasn't Missoula. It was somewhere else. Um, L.A., San Francisco, and D.C., Atlanta, Orlando, and they went to Frankfurt, Kentucky. And I'm a Kentuckian, so that interested me. Oh, out of all the cities in Kentucky, why Frankfurt? I have no idea. They just thought, oh, it's the capital. It must be big enough, but it's really not. There's nothing Is there. there. a hot dog eating contest? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, I this see what you did fodder, there. This is the fodder I feel would be perfect for so weird fan fiction. One about them going on tour in Orlando and Fee getting up to, like, the Haunted Mansion at Disney World and finding out it's really haunted. Yeah, the, the Haunted Mansion Tower. or the Tower of Terror. Yes, yeah. Tower of Terror, please. And then the episode where they go to Orlando, uh, the Frankenfurt place, and there's a hot dog eating contest that Clue gets in, and there's something supernatural going on there. <laughs> the, the hot dogs are made from vegan meat. <laughs> 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 um uh wow that was a weird tangent but um yeah we need more so weird fan fiction in the world well just in general especially like the weird crossover shit that i like i don't know that stuff makes me laugh usually um okay uh so are we done do we want to go into ratings for this one i guess so I, yeah i didn't really write much about this episode so go ahead and rate it um Okay. I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of this episode. Oh, really? Just one that I always forget. I always forget the story of the captain. Um, some parts seem a little too overdramatic for me, especially at the end. <laughs> so I guess if I were to read it, it would be like 5 out of 10. Well, that that's surprising because I, I like this one a lot. And I guess I was assuming this one was one of the most better regarded ones. Um, I gave this one an 8 out of 10 because I really like the stuff with Ned and Clue. And I feel like the scenes where Ned's freaking out and is possessed by the old sea captain is actually pretty effective and well done. So I like this one a lot. This one ranks pretty highly for me. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'd give it either a 7.5 or an 8. And I think 7.5 just because it's missing Molly and Irene. And I think you can really feel that void. But I do love the dynamic between the four kids and the group. I love the originality with this episode with having a character that's considered to be a side character, Ned, being the one who's possessed. And I'm a sucker for stories about the sea. Mm. Well, Emily, what's your final thoughts? Um, I give this episode thumbs up. I really like this episode. I think it was a good uh, send out for Clue. Um, I think it was interesting that the episode wasn't really entirely focused on Clue, but more on Ned. But because it was focused on Ned, uh, we kind of got to see a more sensitive side of Clue, uh, which is was nice to like leave us with that side of Clue. Um, and I, you know, yeah. I, thought Ned was totally scary when I was younger. So I have to give props to Dave Ward's acting in this episode. He nailed it, I think. Definitely. 
So you're the odd man out, Kathy. I know. We'll <laughs> see how many views this podcast gets compared to the rest. <laughs> I don't know. It's just not one that I, I, I never hear other people talking about it. I think it gets overshadowed by the ones like Banshee or Rebecca where you have those big songs in there. Yeah, there's not a lot of music in this one, and it's not like a big myth arc episode. It's a pretty standalone episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I don't know. I, I do like it a lot, and I guess we should have mentioned that this is going to be the last time we'll be seeing Clue for a while. Yes. <laughs> oh, what is the next episode? We see him in uh, Lightning Rod. Okay. So he comes yes. back season three for a bit. Oh, yeah. I stop. <laughs> hmm. that, that clue <laughs> we can't go an episode without it although we avoided it last week um, so do we have any new feedback or anything um, well since I'm behind in posting not really but we do have one um, comment on our forum from Darby she said great job on the nightmare podcast this episode is a great follow up to medium this is the first episode where we see Jack and Fee's raw and unfiltered emotion to their dealing, or lack thereof, of Rick's death. Sometimes I try to watch So Weird as a first-time viewer, as hard as that is, because I get a new perspective on it. Nightmare really sets the stage for what is to come, but because it is so ambiguous here, it just deepens the mystery. As a viewer pretending to watch for the first time, I have all these questions about Rick's death, and is it also the first hint we get that Rick was investigating the paranormal as Fee is doing now? There is a lot there. It amazes me how much So Weird is able to jam-pack into just 24 minutes and how deeply they are able to get into the story. It might be because their subplots are so well integrated into the main plot, but they never lose sight of the goal or message. I love how you mentioned this episode beginning the Molly Carey ship arc, Yes, I am a believer. There's just too much going on. I nearly Is it really spilled an arc. <laughs> <laughs> I nearly spilled my drink in laughter when you said Carrie wasn't in the dream because of course he was dreaming about Molly. <laughs> I knew that new math was inspired by the Braddy Danny situation, but didn't know it was selectively edited to pull the punches back and listen. It's such an upbeat song, but I could totally see it being the vocal score to a new Molly and Carrie romance video about their new relationship and age difference. Origami could be a, could be a good tune for that as well. The only Molly Carrie video on YouTube I found is the last year's love one, so we need mm-hmm. some more. <laughs> yeah, get on that, people. I will get on that. I actually have an idea for a song. And I'm debating on whether I should include it in a random ship's video or if I should just make it a standalone Molly Carey vid. You know, let, let's think about this. How many people are in the So Weird fandom? Okay, that's a pretty small number. We're, we're, we're not a huge fandom. Now, how many of the people in that fandom are people who ship this ship that doesn't exist in the show? <laughs> Go to fanfiction.net. Almost all of the fanfics are Molly Carey ones. All right, well, you know, that's fair, but... <laughs> I, I just, it, it's so weird. The fandom well, okay. has spoken. It, 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 <laughs> you just walked right into that, Zach. <laughs> it, it's so weird that the so weird <laughs> stuck on this one thing that's very, I, I don't know, you know, guys, I don't know. I don't see it. I guess I'm just I'm not well, looking at it the right way. With the right glasses. <laughs> uh, okay, and then they finish saying, I have a question about Listen because I can't figure out how it fits into the Alien arc given the original plans for Season 3. 
Were the aliens trying to contact Fee and get her ready to listen? Seems like a lot of effort to go through. I heard that in memory, the aliens were actually trying to contact Fee, but they couldn't. But they couldn't, so they had to erase everyone's memory and bounce. Thank you for the podcast, and please keep up the great work. Well, I've said before that I think the whole alien myth arc was made up as they went along. You know, I don't really think, I think Roswell is the first hint we get that there's actually some sort of plan there. I think it's more like, oh, well, this is a show about the supernatural, so we got to do an alien episode, we got to do a crop circle episode. And I've always felt that way. When I first read that in the leaked notes for season three about how the alien thing was actually going somewhere. Um, and upon rewatching the series, looking for that, I think Roswell is the first episode where it becomes really apparent before that. I really think they were just doing stuff that was in the pop culture mindscape at the time, but that's just me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All of the alien episodes really just leave me confused. <laughs> and I'm not sure if that's just because we didn't get to see the plot threads being tied together in season three or if it's just because they were just making it up as they went along i don't know yeah i don't understand either um like in the listen episode i don't know if b was supposed to be there or if she just like ended up there and they were actually just doing a test run of this you know thing you know way that they were going to get everyone on earth to listen I, i it's just very confusing to me yeah and where does Shadaisy come into the alien's master plan? <laughs> well, if you listened, maybe you would realize that Shadaisy is actually aliens. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I haven't come to that conclusion before, but I'll uh, keep it in mind. <laughs> All right. Well, do we have anything else we want to talk about? Um, Emily, did you want to talk about oh, yeah. the books? I can. I didn't really prepare anything to say, but I can kind of just talk about it a little bit. Okay, so recently I finished reading all of the books that have been published, um, the official So Weird books. So, let me see. They they came out with five books uh, for the episodes Family Reunion, Shelter, Escape, uh, Strangeling and website. So the thing about these books is that they were all written by different people and ended up writing two of them, but they were written by different people and none of the people who wrote the books were writers on the show. So, you know, if you take them as canon, then that's your business. But personally, I don't, I just read them because, well, I, I got them for my birthday. And, uh, so I, I figured I'd, I'd read through them and see what, uh, kind of interesting little tidbits they have in the episode. So, um, like the first one, so it kind of differs from book to book how loyal they are to the episode that aired. The first one was very loyal. Like all of the dialogue from the book was from the episode. It was pretty boring to read, to be honest. But um, and this is family reunion, by the way. But it some of the books kind of have. Um, chapters from the pers- like different perspectives so not just Fiona's uh, like the first one there's a chapter or two from the perspective of the ghost boy which is kind of interesting to read hmm. um, my personal favorite of the books was the episode or the shelter book which I should mention is tied into the sacrifice episode so the one with the Bigfoot and it's hmm. kind of cool because um, 
there are chapters that are flashbacks to the war, the battle that took place. And uh, so we get things from Walter Rutledge's perspective. Um, and then, but the, it's kind of perspective things gets a little out of hand in website because it changes in that book, the perspective changes every few sentences. So <laughs> it's, it's a little annoying to read. Um, so like one sentence, it'll be like, Fee said, I'm going out to get ice cream. Fee loved ice cream. Jack said, I, you know, go ahead and go. Jack hated ice cream, <laughs> that kind of thing, you know? That's the level of <laughs> like writing was... we can expect from these. That's why I, I, I tried to read the first one. I just only read the first page and put it down. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I just realized in the end I ended up reading, like, over 600 pages of these books. And they're not very good. <laughs> like, I, I actually put some information on the forums that I thought was interesting. Like, uh, in Shelter, uh, it says that Jack wears a baby tooth on a necklace around his neck, which I just thought was very bizarre. Yeah, and I, don't, I hope it's his baby tooth. <laughs> like, I don't know. Has anyone ever heard of people doing that before? No, that's no. weird. That's serial killer <laughs> behavior. Very... When I was yeah. in primary yeah. school, when you lost a tooth in school, the nurse had this little plastic necklace that was a, shaped like a tooth, and you would open the tooth and you would put your baby tooth in there so you could take it home for the tooth fairy. But that was yeah. The only but then time. you wouldn't you wouldn't keep it after you gave it to the no. tooth fairy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. A little bit strange. So very strange and very out of character for Jack. Mm -hmm. I definitely like the angel necklace better. Yeah, and there are some continuity errors too in these books. Uh, it's kind of funny because in the last book, the website, uh, it says Clue's an only child. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, but actually, they published the Strangeling book before website, and in the Strangeling book, he mentions his brother Carrie. So, <laughs> so somebody just wasn't paying attention. Yeah. But, I mean, overall, they're really cheap on eBay. I think you can get them on eBay, eBay and maybe Amazon. And they're kind of fun collector's items. I mean, if I was going to get one, even though I liked the Shelter book, I thought was the most interesting one, I would get Family Reunion just for the cover alone because it's the, a <laughs> shot of them all standing in front of the bus. Like, it's an official press shot, I guess, of the cast. And um, I think that's worth having if you're a, a big enough fan, you know. I, I will probably have to go out and pick up the books eventually just because they're kind of a curious novelty. There's so little, so weird material out there that it's interesting that there is this six series, this six book series. So even though I'm sure they're not that good, and from what you've just said, they don't sound particularly good, uh, my curiosity will probably get the best of me, and I'll have to pick these up at some point. Yeah, yeah I've been telling myself I'd get these for years, but then it's like, what's the point? <clears throat> but I still want it, you know? It's collecting, like, the very little So Weird merch we have. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I think that's actually it. Yeah, as far as like wide release stuff that was actually came out to the public, I think the books are the extent of the So Weird merchandise. <laughs> and I, I think I said this on the forum too. For me, having the books is like physical confirmation that the show actually existed. <laughs> <laughs> True. Like, 
<laughs> it really yeah. happened. Yeah. The Disney logos on it. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. So that's that's my review for the books. Um, I did post, like I said, a little bit more detail on the forum. If you go to the classified section, you can read a little bit more about each book. All right. So anything else we want to say before we wrap it up? Um, no. Uh, just thanks for listening. Thanks for all the comments. Um, and for the members who joined the forum because of the podcast, thanks. I hope you're searching through it all and finding all this cool stuff. Yeah, there is uh, quite a bit of information on those on that forum. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, if we're all done, I guess we'll sign off then. You have been listening to mm -hmm. the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. And keep the faith. And and that was the dogs trump chiming in. <laughs> <You mean laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right.